Warning, this episode contains details that some listeners may find disturbing. Zombies. The mindless killers have taken over TV and film. What was once a marginal creature, playing second or third fiddle to classic monsters of early pulp comics and horror movies like vampires and werewolves, zombies have since risen, no pun intended. They are iconic. The idea of the zombie has changed and evolved over time, reflecting our innermost fears. And that's the most amazing thing about the zombie, its adaptability. But where did the idea of the zombie begin? Generally speaking, your mind might race to images of voodoo ceremonies in the swamps of Louisiana or the Caribbean. And if that's the case, there's a little bit of truth in that. But it's also an image influenced by pop culture and the whitewashing of history. Belief in zombies, though, is very real. Some claim that in Haiti, there can be up to a thousand cases of zombification a year. This is a study of strange. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Michael May. Today, my guest is Molly Elfman. Hi, Molly. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm very excited to be here. You've now been on two episodes because you were part of one of our Scary Stories episodes over Halloween. You're the second, second guest. So, Mr. Matt, Matt, Matt Glass. Glass. <laughs> of course. Damn it, Matt Glass. Of course. God Beating damn me again. you, Matt. He's always doing that. My nemesis. But I, I'm really excited to have you on. We will be talking about some history of the zombies and then going into some stories of actual accounts of people that may be real zombies. It's an exciting topic for me. And I actually wanted you on for a very specific reason with zombies. One is you're a filmmaker. Therefore, a zombie. <laughs> yes, you're, you're a zombie. No, you, you're a filmmaker. We've known each other a long time. We've worked together a lot in the horror genre. And this, ooh, this is going to tie in nicely to your work. You'll be able to plug some things here. It's going to feel like I set this up strategically and I did not. But one of the things I, I've always appreciated about you is you are, you look at the horror genre as, it, I don't know how I want to say this. Basically, you're smarter than me. That's the simple way to say it. <laughs> you look, you look at the genre through this intellectual lens and you, you're, you have this ability to find deeper meaning in things, or you strive to. You strive to find meaning in I things. I strive to be intellectual and smarter there you than go. you. That's, that's the goal, but I don't know that I achieve it. But, but you are. You have a feature film. Your directorial debut for a feature film is, is out. It's coming out in the UK this month as of this recording, Next Exit. And with that movie particularly, we've talked a little bit about it on the pod before, so we don't have to talk about it a lot. But you do look at ghosts in a in a new light, in a different light, and really explore the meaning of what that would be. And zombies, to me, have this ability where they can do something like that. They can mean whatever you want them to mean as a creative. So that's why I thought of having you on, because I was like, I feel like Molly is going to bring some good stuff to this topic. So now I feel like I put too much pressure on you. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that's a lot to live up to. And especially, I was about to say, like, I... I was like, I'm the ghost girl. I'm not necessarily, but then I'm like, oh no, we we did make a zombie. I did yeah. make Locker Room Z. So I actually, yeah, right. I have done, I have had my time to play with zombie, rainbow zombies. Yeah. 
I have a photo that keeps popping up in my like Facebook memories thing, and I just don't post on Facebook anymore, so I never share it. But it's both of us as zombies when we were doing the sizzle reel for Jesus Hates Zombies. Yeah. Uh, so we've even both been zombies before. That was fun that day. Yeah. Do you, so do you want to just briefly, because we brought it up, just tell people a little bit about Next Exit and where they might find it? And we can do that at the end of the episode as well. Sure. Um uh, Next Exit, which premiered at Tribeca Film Festival last year and then got picked up by Magnolia and came out in November. It's available on Amazon, Apple, and any of the other places that you buy your stuff. And then it's, uh, but you buy your stuff. I don't know. What, buy what your stuff. <laughs> you buy your yeah. stuff. You know, you buy your stuff everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's, st- it's still on demand, I guess is the way of properly saying that. It is available on DVD as well. Uh, I don't know about Blu-ray. Everybody keeps asking me. That would make sense. Uh, I haven't looked into mm-hmm. that yet mm-hmm. uh, and then it comes out february 20th in the uk and ireland which i'm very excited about uh, and yeah it's the story of a world in which we've scientifically proven that ghosts exist and you can choose to be a part of this new program to cross over to the other side and two people who are having trouble with this life decide that they want to leave it and go on to the next and comedy ensues and darkness <laughs> and other things and fun emotions <laughs> No, it, it's maz- amazing. And like I said, you you found a new way to look at that topic and turn it into a movie. And it's very refreshing and very interesting. It makes you question a lot of things, which is what you want. Yeah. You also produced Birth Rebirth, which just premiered at Sundance. And we had Laura on a few episodes ago. So we can kind of plug that at the end because it is fresh in our listeners' minds. And if you're new to the show, check out that episode with Laura Moss just a few ago, few few episodes ago. All right. So... Zombies. Zombies, Molly. Here we go. We're getting into them now. As soon as I find my place and my outline, <laughs> we, will, like, we will move in uh, to the zombies. Great. Before we get into zombies, everybody, please hit that subscribe button. Is that what the kids say, Molly? I always, I didn't, it used to be like, you're asking smash me? That subs- yeah, you know, you're younger than me. You're a kid. So, uh, <laughs> dear God, what do they do? But uh, hit that subscribe uh, button, smash it, yeah, get it, smash click it. it. I don't know. I don't know Bop what you it. do. Bop Twist it. There you it. go. <laughs> <laughs> and give us a review and stay up to date. Our audience is growing week after week. So thank you, everybody that's done that already. It's really amazing to see numbers just go up week after week. And it puts more pressure on me to actually uh, know what I'm doing. And I still don't know what I'm doing. So it's it's uh, it's an interesting process. <laughs> and uh, check out our Patreon. You can find that through our website, studyofstrange.com, where you can find unedited episodes and additional content just for Patreon members. All right, there we go. Got the biz out of the way. Molly, I'm going to have you start us off to talk about yeah. zombies. If you find, can you find that email? And I have number one with oh, some okay. things for you to read. Oh, I have homework. Okay. You have homework. All right. All right okay. You ready? Go for it when you're ready. In February of 1988, a teenager named Wilfred Dorsant, uh, who lived in a small Haitian village, became ill. He looked pale and his eyes turned yellow. No one knew why he was sick or what ailment he was suffering from. About eight days later, Wilfred had failed to improve and passed away. Doctors confirmed the death and the family buried the body. In September of 1989, there was a local cockfight which was a big social event for the village, when suddenly people saw Wilfred. He was walking around the event, but not paying attention to the fight. Everyone was shocked. The Dorisant family uh, was notified. They came out, and they were amazed to find that their supposedly dead son was wandering around. 
But Wilfred wasn't his usual self. He couldn't speak well, and he didn't seem to respond to his surroundings. The village determined Wilfred wasn't a zombie. Oh, wait. The, the village determined that Wilfred was a zombie. You're reading it cold. It's good. Yeah, that was cold word. Sorry. No, that's that's oh. part of the fun. Yes. So uh, that is just a taste of one of the tales that we will explore and others like it, including the case of Clervius Narcisse, who's kind of like the most famous, quote unquote, real zombie. He inspired uh, the book, The Serpent, and the Rainbow and the, the following film that came out after it as well. Before we get into that, I wanted to say a word about tonight's episode or episodes, because I'm br- going to break this into two parts and both parts are almost like different ideas. I had this big, broad goal. I wanted to learn about the etymology, the history of zombie, and also look at some so-called real zombie stories that I had heard vaguely about. And the statement I want to make clear up top is that this topic is complex. Zombies are tied to cultures and religions that have historically been misunderstood. And there's even a lot of disagreement about the beliefs and stories within them. And so for specificity's sake, I'll primarily be talking about the Haitian voodoo zombie, which is... Uh, different but related in some ways to the to Louisiana voodoo, and this is the Haitian zombie is where a lot of the lore comes from. And if you want to learn more on the subject and kind of go deeper into the history, which includes slavery and colonialism and American occupation and rebellion and religious subjugation and all these things, uh, the best thing I can do is just I'll I'll, pro- I'll provide links in my show notes to various books that go deep into this subject. And you're welcome to read those just as sort of a jumping off point to learn more about the subject. We will do some of that history tonight because we got to learn where the zombie came from. Uh, But then in part two, we will be going into these accounts of real zombies and ask Molly, are zombies actually walking around with us? There's there's some people out yeah. there I've seen. <laughs> that might, Have might you walked around? Yeah. <laughs> I used to live in, in Hollywood when I first moved to LA. There's there's a lot of zombies out there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of zombies. Yeah. Uh, so Molly, what do you like about zombies when you think about it? I know in this can be sort of related to movies and TV or just stories or ideas, but what do you what do you like about zombies? Well, I love that you brought me on and you like give me this big intro like I'm so smart and it's like zombies are one of the ones that I'm just educated on. So let's, but let's roll with this. Yeah, but do it. I think the funny thing about zombies for me, which are different uh, than ghosts, ghosts are emotions and spirit, spirituality and what happens in the afterlife. For me, zombies are what happen is more about the physical body than necessarily the mental one. And it is more about the physical body remaining when the mental is gone. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, that's always the real intriguing one where it, it, it does lend itself to, it, instead of spooky, it's more creepy, it's more off-putting, it's more gross, uh, which can tend to be in the right setting, I think, for horror films, a little bit more fun and a little bit more playful. Uh, and, and I think that's my thing about those, or, or I'm so sorry, just keep jumping there. I think that's my thing about zombies that I really like. And, you know, the one time that I decided to tackle zombies, it was more of a social messaging than it was necessarily about the, the body itself. Uh, so I think that's something that I, I like and, uh, have gotten to experience is what happens when, when the mind is gone and the body remains. Yeah, and I'll probably say this towards the end of these parts or talk about it a little bit more, but what I like about zombies, you kind of hit it on the head, is they can be used so easily. They can they can be almost like held up like a mirror to ourselves or to society, whatever the fears might be of the time. And we've even seen in the last 20 or so years in movies, zombies have always been related to like pandemics or viruses or 
things of that nature. Um, and But they didn't start off that way. Like that's what's so interesting and why I wanted to do the history of it because they were really more originally like mindless slaves, which I'll, I'll get into kind of why that is. So it's really interesting how zombies can be used for whatever your fear is. And I think that's even true for why they started off as mindless slaves because the zombies that we'll be exploring, they really come about in Haiti and the Caribbean. And actually here, I'll read this. According to a law in Haiti, a zombie is an individual of living death reduced to servitude by a sorcerer who has stolen his soul. So yeah, there's no virus. There's no rage virus. There's no, you know, it's not walking dead or anything. It is really somebody that is a a slave and Haiti has a history of slavery and it's really like the ultimate slavery because zombies don't have an afterlife in this belief so it's mm. an eternal servitude so it is like the the worst thing in the world imaginable and why they're so scary when you read when you when i read that by the way the first thing that came to my mind was medical mal- malpractice <laughs> it's like <laughs> and so it's like yeah yeah well that's <laughs> they're they're, taking the souls that's away yeah yeah exactly uh now the term zombie no one really knows the origin of it. It's definitely got an influence from uh, kind of equatorial and West Africa and Gabon. There's a Mitsogo language word called Nzambi or Nzumbi, excuse me, for which basically means corpse. And Angola, there's Zumbi, which is a, an object that can be inhabited by a spirit. There's similarities to words in the Congo region, like Nzambi, even in the Americas, the Arawak, which were in the Caribbean, they had a term called zimi, which also means spirit. So there's all these interesting correlations. And as all language, the history of languages, it always evolves. It has influences from other places and people and things. And, you know, it kind of grows together and evolves over time. So that's probably what happened with the term zombie. And you, the first time it appeared in text is in 1819 in a book called The History of Brazil. And it was actually a person that they were writing down whose name was Zumbi, but they spelled it zombie. So it's unrelated, but it still starts to appear because no one's agreeing on like the spelling. It's being spelled a lot of different ways, too. So that's like the first time it appears in text. And then it appears in a few other books that start to bring it up in terms of life around either Africa or the Caribbean. In 1887, a writer named Lafcadio Hearn was was hired by Harper's Magazine to write about the West Indies, which is, for those that don't know, that's the islands in the Caribbean. And he lived on the island of Martinique for about two years, and he wrote of the zombie. And he couldn't quite figure out what it was. There was just like locals were talking about the zombie, and they were scared of the zombie. And it was very much this like vague spiritual thing. And he even in the book, he he talks about asking his landlady's daughter what a zombie was. And he asked, are the, are the dead folks zombies? And she replied, no, the zombies go everywhere. The dead folk re- remain in the graveyard. It is the zombies who make all the noises at night. No one can understand. So I just, I love that little anecdote. Oh, I think that's, that's creepy. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, that might've, that honestly might've been like the first mass publication that talks about the lore of the zombie that kind of got out to at least the Eurocentric sort of westernized uh, to the world outside of the Caribbean and Louisiana. And there is a difference with like the Martinique zombie, like anywhere in the Caribbean, they're all going to have slight differences. Uh, I just wanted to point that out because I was reading about Martinique and we're going to spend time on Haiti today because, yeah, it definitely sounds like in Martinique, the zombie is a bit more ghost-like. It's not so much the mindless creature walking around. But anyway, Haiti, that is where 
really the zombie comes together. And from 1517 to 1804, so almost 300 years, France and Spain were enslaving thousands of Africans, primarily from West Africa, and bringing them to the island. What we know is Hispaniola. It's where uh, Haiti and Dominican Republic are today. But at the time, it was called Saint Domingue. And they were working on sugar and tobacco plantations. And the island, the population was 90% slaves, which just always blows my mind. Yeah. And what you have, and you can, it's kind of easy to kind of see this happening, but you have all these people from different cultures and backgrounds and towns and countries from Africa being forced to live together, come to a place they don't know. So all their beliefs are blending together. You know, it's like a stew of these religions and beliefs and cultures. And that starts blending together with Catholicism on the island. And from this, you get this new kind of belief system that they refer to as voodoo. And Vodou, I'm going to, I'm boiling this down to a very simple thing. Again, this is complex. This is like trying to boil Christianity or any major religion down to like one thing. You can't do it. They're all different. People disagree. But let's do it right now. Let's do it. Should I? Let's do it. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, so in Vodou, they believe that the, the, the soul is made up of two spiritual elements and those can be stolen. Like somebody can sort of take those for good or or for bad. And this is how somebody creates a zombie because after death, they believe that kind of these parts of the soul can wander for a short period of time. In Haiti, it's generally said to be wander for seven days. Some people say three days. I think in Louisiana with voodoo, they say three days. And the person who can make a zombie is someone called a bokur. And they come in after somebody's died and they can take over the body. And yeah, and and I do want to say this as well. Again, complex. There are some in voodoo and voda religions that call a bokur a sort of derogatory term, but from Haiti, people actually like admit they're bokurs, even though they're technically like malicious, like they're kind of bad priests is like a really stupid way to describe them. They, they tend to have malicious intent with turning somebody into a zombie. Now, the zombie, as you can kind of set, tell, my first thought when you hear this is they're a victim. Like they're not the monster from Hollywood movies now where you got to be scared of a zombie. Like that is the victim. Someone has taken sure. control over the body. Who started the biting? Where did the biting come? Sorry. Movies. Movies. Movie. Yeah. Movies did that? Oh. Yeah. I think it's probably because I actually, the, the original intention for this episode was to do like the history of the zombie through movies, but so many people have done it that I was like, nah, I'm going to go even further back in time. Uh, but it's Romero. Like Romero had the zombies sort of biting people and and all of that. I, I know there's a lot of movie nerds that know more specifically to me how it, how it evolved. But yeah, no, no brain eating right away. And <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. where did all that lore come from? Because it seems like it's just, it, it does seem like all these zombies are just victims and they're kind of yeah. just wandering around after, you know, people have used them up. That's so yeah. sad that they got turned into these villains. Absolutely. Yeah. They are, they're a victim in this. That is, it is a very sad thing. And there's a, a writer in 1913, a guy named Stephen Bonzel wrote this book called The American Mediterranean. And he uh, it's really funny because you can find it online. And I pulled up a bunch of it. I didn't read the whole thing. I just kind of like breezed through it. Uh, he's very racist. It did everything he was writing about Haiti is very, oh very racist. Uh, but he was one of the first to imply that the Bokor, the, these guys making zombies, were using a mix of like a drug, like a poison 
to create the zombie. So he's like the first one that I can find anyway, who's putting almost like a logistical method to how they do this. And so he's suggesting that there's a poison that makes the appearance of death. And then there's an antidote that can bring somebody out of it. And they're supplied with something else to sort of take control over their mind. There is a... There you go. That's what I was thinking of, too. Yeah, you got to (laughs) appear like you're dead. Uh, And then when they come out, they a lot of times we'll get into this a little bit more. But there could be a hallucinogenic compound that's given to them after they're they're quote unquote dead, because that's how you can basically control the person. You make them they're all hallucinating and feeling crazy. There is even a local sort of fruit called the zombie cucumber, because this is a, a thing that grows on a tree that actually has these hallucinogenic compounds that might be used in some of the Bocours concoctions. Uh, and you don't really hear this come up again through the history of, of people writing about Haiti and zombies and stuff until the 1980s when Wade Davis wrote Serpent in the Rainbow. He's the one that actually was like trying to figure out what is in these concoctions that Bokors are using to turn people into zombies and actually studied them from a scientific element. And we're going to come back to that later because that relates to one of our real zombie stories. Molly's going to read a section of Bonzel's book here. Okay, let's see. There are many who believe that even at this late day, if the medicine man who first administered the poison to this unfortunate could also be found in the ant weight I think I yeah, there's a bit of no, it's a bit of a run on sentence. So uh, and that's not my (laughs) fault. That is his fault. (laughs) (laughs) Take two. Okay. (laughs) There are many who believe that even at this late day, if the medicine man who first administered the poison to this unfortunate could be found an antidote that might be forthcoming that there that they will restore the victim of these barbarous practices to health and to reason. In fact, if a serious prosecution of these malefactors who work in the guise of religious servants is ever undertaken, the most serious obstacle is to success will be the unfortunate victims themselves and their families who dread the power which has been demonstrated upon those who are near and dear to them. Yeah, yeah. Good job, because that is... That's uh, a hard sentence. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> he, he doesn't quite use commas correctly like he uses a lot of commas and then he uses no commas for like a long time it's really frustrating and strange now the lore of the voodoo zombie it starts to become more specific to outsiders people outside of haiti and the caribbean in the early 20th century because of books like this but because of this like racist view of Mm -hmm. haiti it's scary it's almost scarier than it should be like the idea of voodoo and in voodoo just is scarier because it's so secretive and the reason this religion and these practices became so secretive is really tied into the history of 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 haiti which i'll do like a brief thing and i don't know why hollywood has never made a movie about the haitian rebellion because it's just unbelievable so haiti like we said earlier it was 300 years of slavery and during that time as you can imagine the slave owners outlawed voodoo They saw these weird ceremonies and dances and they're like, oh, that must be the devil. Even though they're French, I'm going British because that's what I do. And they're just they're like, oh, they must be worshiping the devil and sacrificing babies and whatever. So they just kind of like, you guys can't do this anymore. So Mm -hmm. Vodou becomes this backwoods up in the mountain secretive practice. And then Haiti has a revolution. They they win their independence. They're the first kind of former slave slave rebellion that wins their independence 
And they win that independence in 1804, and which is amazing because they go up against the most powerful military in the world at the time, the French, to win their independence. Now, this is a tangent, but Haiti, one of the reasons they're so poor to this day is they basically promised France that give them everything of value forever. So they're just like completely never really had a chance. But uh, yeah, they won independence. And that's amazing. That's so sad. And then the the leaders of Haiti, though, they're they're trying to appeal to the outside world. They kind of see the religion of Vodou as this peasant religion. So even though they were formerly slaves and stuff, they kind of still see it now as this peasant religion. So they continue to outlaw it. So again, it kind of keeps it in the backwoods, mm-hmm. secretive kind of thing. And as any topic I cover on this podcast, anything mysterious just drives more speculation, which makes it even more mysterious and more scary. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting. So even today, Vodou is more accepted and welcomed. And some estimates say that 50% of Haitians are believers in Vodou. Um, but it still has this like secretive feeling. And I've watched a bunch of documentaries now on the subject. And it still has this like, oh, you have to talk to this person to get you to this person to get you to this person. And then they have to talk to you before they're really, really willing to share what they do. And yeah, so it's it's definitely got this mysterious aura about it. It also makes sense with any with any group of people that is being suppressed that they're trying to find ways in which that is happening and occurring and in which ways you can find power or hurting other people. Yeah. It's also like all all of these different things kind of fold in again into the social issues that are going on. Yes. At the time and the but it is so crazy to think that the that what this Again, tying this back to medical practice and tying this back to people that are doing this in orders in order to make others subservient uh, is pretty terrifying because it is I, you could understand where the fear would come from because it yeah. feels as if you could be taken over because somebody it chooses to. There, I, I completely agree with you, but you just made me think of one of the things I read that is not in my outline where some people saw the idea of like zombification with there's two sides of the coin. So there's the mm-hmm. side of like eternal slavery and fear of being taken over and controlled. And the other side of that is you could turn somebody that's in charge of you into a zombie as well. There is that possibility. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like, it's like a dual, yeah. there's a dual side to it as well, which I just found yeah, really to be able to hurt those people that have hurt you. Hurt you. And- yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That's, I mean, that's an issue that yeah. we can talk about for a while. So we shouldn't, it, <laughs> the, the desire of that is very clear, especially with all, especially yeah. when you just said that they made a deal with France in which they perpetually have to give them all these things, which is yeah. the problem. It's like, oh, that's so disruptive. It's so problematic. Yeah. It is. It is. And and it's sadly, there's, there's more to come in that, in that world. Oh, no. in terms of hating, It doesn't but- get happier. No, 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 this it, sort of the secrecy around voodoo and the idea of zombies and things like that. It starts to change because between 1915 and 19, it's like 1934, I think the U.S. actually actually occupies Haiti. Uh-oh. And so this kind of perpetuates Not this idea that Haiti is. Yeah, Haiti is now in debt to the U.S. They were in debt to France yep. for like 100. Now they're in debt to the U.S., and the U.S., of course, takes this very like racist attitude towards the local customs and practices. So it keeps yeah. it being weird. But however, there are Americans there who are now writing about it and they're writing about mm-hmm. the rumors. They might take that American point of view of it, 
mm-hmm. which affects things. But there's still at least like the stories are starting to become more just aware to, again, kind of the, the Western, quote unquote, Eurocentric kind of Western world. And this includes a guy named William Seabrook. He wrote a book called The Magic Island. He actually wrote a few other books uh, about stuff around there, too. But The Magic Island is kind of his big one. And he wrote of actually seeing people that looked like dead men working in the fields who were expressionless and had strange eyes that had no life behind them. And he he calls it voodoo. So it was voodoo locally. But of course, he's American. He's just going to call it voodoo. And it becomes Americanized. And he talks about weird ceremonies and black magic and starts to describe zombies. And here, I'm actually going to read this one, Molly. This is not one I shared with you, but this is a, uh, a segment of William Seabrook's book. He writes, the zombie, they say, is a soulless human corpse, still dead, but taken from the grave and endowed by sorcery with a mechanical semblance of life. It is a dead body which is made to walk and act and move as if it were alive. People who have the power to do this go to a fresh grave, dig up the body before it has had time to rot, galvanize it into movement, and then make it a servant or slave, occasionally for the commission of some crime more often simply as a drudge around the habitization or the farm, setting it dull, heavy tasks and beating it like a dumb beast if it slackens. Well, that was actually hard to read too. So what is, does this mean? Sorry, this is what yeah, just popped please. into my head. Because yeah. if, if zombies actually have to be buried in order to come back up and in order to be a zombie within this type of lore, does that mean that there's probably like a lot of zombies that are buried that just didn't get back up out of the surface? You know, actually, I, I was going to talk about that in part two, and and I'll mention oh, it I'm here. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> it's a fantastic. Ahead. That's that's what that's what the show is about. It's about me <laughs> getting my like basically losing my place in my outline. No, it's a perfect time to bring it up because I actually people in Haiti believe this to this day. Like that is the important thing to remember is there are people that believe in zombies, mm-hmm. and some accounts say that there's like thousand like a thousand reports of zombies a year in Haiti. We don't have a lot of data on that. There's not. It's. I'm going to share the quote unquote real stories I've been able to find, but you can't find a lot of details about a lot of these stories. They're more like anecdotal. But if if this powder, if this concoction that Bokors used to try to create a zombie is real, it is very dangerous, and not just yeah. in terms of trying to have an effect on someone's mind, but if it is real and if it works, my theory is that it kills people a lot when you try it like there's going to be brain damage if they do survive um yeah it's just i think it's a very dangerous thing so my question is like if you look at like sedatives too and things like that because there's definitely i i don't do very well with a like what was the last thing that I, that I had to take after a surgery? I don't even remember some type of barbiturate, (laughs) but like i definitely don't think my mind was there (laughs) for a while and i'm just like I mean, it does seem like it would be very possible, but if you could control that where it's not coming back on or where you, whatever part of the mind that is accessed with that drug doesn't come back online, it's not that hard to think of how you can literally with chemicals create that. Yeah. Uh, You know, and is the soul in the mind or in the body or where is the soul? I mean, a bunch of questions here. A bunch of questions, bunch of questions. And, and we will, hopefully we'll be able to dive into that a little bit more as we tell some of these real stories of, of people that might have been turned into zombies. It's getting more creepy. It's getting creepier as we go. It is. It is creepy. It is creepy. And that's part I'm of the scared. fun. Yeah. Really it's okay. Molly. It's, it's okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you about the first zombie movie. 
because William C. Brooks' book in the 30s, like these stories are coming out of Haiti now. So of course that influences Hollywood. So the first zombie movie is called White Zombie. It was produced in 1932. It had Bela Lugosi plays kind of like the evil sorcerer guy. Uh, But of course it is Hollywood in the 1930s. So the victim is a white woman. He lusted after a white woman and sort of made her a mindless zombie. And that is the first zombie movie ever made. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's so problematic. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yes, yes. Uh, no, so anyway, that is, a, again, a very kind of brief overview of the history of kind of zombies being established in Haitian religion and beliefs and lore and local customs. Again, I'm not focusing on Louisiana voodoo. I did not go into that. They do share a similar background because you had slavery and immigrants from West Africa bringing their beliefs, combining together. And you also had Haitian immigrants coming from Haiti during the rebellion into Louisiana. So you do there's 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 a combination of things, but it is different. And I did not. I spent so much time researching this. I didn't have time to look at voodoo, too. So yeah. uh, another yeah. another day, another day. <laughs> but yes, so the zombie starts to come to public's attention because of movies, because of books in this time period. And then our first kind of like our first real zombie story comes out, at least to the public's attention in America, from the author Zora Neale Hurston, who is a legend of the Harlem Renaissance in the 1920s. She was an anthropologist. I think she even made some films and stuff too. And she wrote about the struggles in the South. She had also written about voodoo in the 1920s. And so in 1936, she applied and got a a Guggenheim grant to go to Haiti to study uh, voodoo, study the local local customs. Mm-hmm. And she was the perfect person to do it because she had already been writing about this stuff again in Louisiana and the South. And so in Haiti, she published, uh, or after her tra- travels to Haiti, she published the book Tell My Horse in 1938. And she has a whole chapter about zombies. And I will link the book. You can find this book for free online. Now, she had heard of a variety of cases of real zombies, including a story of a Protestant missionary minister who told her of a man who fell dead on a dance floor. That's sad. And he saw the man placed in his tomb, buried. And then a few weeks later, this man was found alive again, but in prison, locked up. I could not find more details on this guy, but that's one of the stories uh, she hears. She's also told of the case of Marie M., uh, which apparently is a very famous story in the early 1900s in Haiti. In, in 1909, a young girl died. And five years later, I think she was a teenager, five years later, friends of hers were walking down the street and they saw Marie in a house, like through a window. And so people came to the house, they're knocking the door, they're like, our friend's here, what's going on? And the person who lived there wouldn't let them in. Marie's father got a warrant and the house was searched, but it was found empty. They dug up Marie's coffin and they found a skeleton that was too long for the coffin. So it might not have been her. And sort of the local legend goes that this man... And then they found somebody else and put her in that coffin? Yeah. I mean, somebody else got... Yeah. Wow. Left also, layers. Okay. This is, this is all local legend, too. There's no, like, there's no actual evidence to this tale that she's hearing. Now, the story goes that the man who owned that house died. And okay. Bokurs, Bokurs are, are in control of the zombies. If a Bokur dies, the zombie is now set free. So the man dies, and apparently his wife didn't like having all these zombies around so she set them free and apparently marie had been sent to france where she lived in a convent again local legend no no basis to fact in any of How this but that is later the story. Was this? 
Uh, so when Zora is hearing died? she died in 1909. It's five years later that she they, her friends see her. But this story is being told in like 30 years after that. So okay, it, it's been some time. Did she uh, age? Do we know if she aged? If they I don't. That, I, that is all. All I read is what I've kind of shared there. Yeah, I don't I mean, know any I other details. I have a details. lot of questions. I'm going to need to yeah. do an interview. We're going to need to bring somebody else on here. We're Absolutely, I, I would love to. In <laughs> fact, that being said, please, if anybody out there, if you are a a practitioner of voodoo or voodoo, or you know somebody that is, or somebody that studied the history of Haiti or anything like this, let me know. Email me a study of strange at gmail.com. I would love to do an interview or something. We can both do it, Molly. You can come too. We'll have a long chat. I'm in. Now, those two little anecdotal stories, I, I think I'm gonna. I'm, I'm just assuming, sort of inspired Zora to to explore this topic further, and she got intrigued. And I'm gonna have you read the next thing, Molly. I think no number boy. three. So this is from her book. All right. What is the truth about nothing else? <laughs> I can't read anymore. <laughs> what is the truth about nothing else about zombies? It's so funny. Okay. What is the truth about nothing else about zombies? I don't understand this sentence. Why is there two about? Is this I don't, supposed to be two about? Did I? Maybe I Maybe I messed up typing it. I might have messed else. up. You know what? Why don't you just skip that first sentence? Just start on the next one. <laughs> okay, go. Okay. What is the truth about zombies? I had the good fortune to learn of several celebrated cases in the past, uh, and then in addition, I had the rare opportunity to see and touch an authentic case. I listened to the broken noises in its throat, and then I did what no one else had ever done. I photographed it. Dun, dun, dun. So this is where we're going to end part one. We've done our kind of nerdy history chat and we're going to be getting into our real zombie stories including the first one we're going to start with is what it what uh zora neil hurston is talking about and yeah this is this includes again the story of clairvius narcisse there's also a supposed zombie case with someone named felicia mentor and two other real zombie stories that we're going to talk about in our next episode uh which i am super excited about they're so interesting so molly yeah. Do I get to see the photograph? Oh yeah, I can I can share that with you. Let's first though <gasps> I'll share it with you at the beginning of part two. Okay. But is there anything you want to plug? Can you tell people where to find your movies, including Birth Rebirth, because we didn't get to really talk about that much, <clears throat> or you on social, whatever you want to share. Oh yeah. Uh well you can't find Birth Rebirth yet. We just premiered it at Sundance a couple weeks ago. Uh that was a blast. I've never played Sundance before. So my first time, as you know, uh, many times trying first time actually going there uh, with the film. Uh, it was it was a blast. Uh, we'll have more information that'll be coming out through Shutter later this year. Uh, and uh, yeah, next exit uh, on demand uh, and on DVD and available in the UK starting February 20th. Oh, and also I should say this is another one that actually both you and I worked on. Eureka. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's now available right. on Dust, Dust. on Alter. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube very easily as well. Uh, yeah. And that's with Karen Gillan and John Bass, written by Nick Kocher with uh, Laura Moss, once again, directing. Yeah, and my friend Dustin just interviewed Laura and Nick. So, uh, yeah, it was, that was fun. That was fun I know, I saw that interview. Nick got a... <laughs> it's, it's oh, I a haven't fun seen interview. it. Oh, it is? It? You should read it. It's very fun. Yeah. Yes. Well, cool. Well, thank you again, Molly, for coming on. 
And I will talk to you very shortly for part two. Can't wait. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Molly Elfman for being here. And tune in next week when we conclude this two-parter about Are Zombies Real? Where we're actually going to go into the detailed accounts of real zombies. And also ask what zombies might mean, why people believe in them, and how they've been utilized and used effectively by media. Make sure you are following us on Instagram, at A Study of Strange. As usual, send me thoughts, notes, ideas, comments. You can email me, a study of strange, all one word, at gmail.com. Check us out on Patreon, where you can listen to these episodes free of commercials and unedited, so you get to hear me make mistakes constantly, which is pretty fun. Uh, so you can check that out through our website, www.astudyofstrange.com. In the next couple of weeks, besides concluding zombies, we have another episode I'm really excited about, about the Connecticut Witch Trials. And then I'm going to do something, maybe, I don't know, maybe let me know, listeners. Send me a message if this is a good idea or not. I may do a Bigfoot episode, and my guest would be my six-year-old son, who is obsessed with Bigfoot. It would be a different sort of episode, because it would be very kid-friendly, Send me a message. Let me know if you think that would be a good idea. It honestly kind of comes down to him. Will he sit here and talk to me for a little bit bit of time? I think that's the big question in the matter. Uh, But yeah, so anyway, stay tuned for those things. And thank you for listening. Good night.